0: I thought it might be a good idea and a good time to look at what's happening as it relates to border security and immigration. And uh, I can't think of a better person to look at those issues with than Michael Cutler. He is a retired senior special agent for I and a fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. He's somebody that lives, eats, breathes this issue like no other. Michael, thanks for staying up late with us.
1: Yeah, my pleasure, Frank. It's always great to join you. Uh, We we go back forever. By the way, I am no longer affiliated with the Center for Immigration Studies. That that ended many years ago, Um, but that's fine. Uh, You know, I've testified before. I think we're up to 17 congressional hearings in the House and Senate. I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. Uh, And I have to make one quick observation about your discussion about prisons. I've been in many of them working as an agent dealing with informants, dealing with criminal aliens who were arrested and charged with all sorts of crimes, ranging from murder to narcotics. Uh, Half my 30 years with the INS, uh, I was working with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. I was the first INS agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA. And you're right about prisons. We call them correctional facilities, but there's not much correction going on. But what we should probably be doing is looking how people wind up in jail in the first place. Levels of illiteracy, levels of drug abuse, membership in gangs. And when the schools fail our children and when families fail our children, frequently they make bad decisions. And it's remarkable to me, and I have to make the observation that you have an administration that is attacking parents who are engaged in their children's education and declaring them to be terrorists. I was the president of my of the Parents' Association of my daughter's public school. And what you really do want are parents involved in their children's education. So what we're doing is not helping to ameliorate the situation. And when you flood the country with narcotics, and you flood the country with gangs, and you displace American workers. You know, I, I remember growing up in Brooklyn, and I'm on the wrong side of 70, but all of us, my friends, I, we all worked in restaurants. I'm a Jewish kid from Brooklyn. I worked in a kosher deli, and it taught us responsibility, um, the dignity that goes with work. And today, you know, the hiring of illegal aliens, not hiring American children so they could have that first notch on that resume that gets them to the next job the following summer, we're doing a lot of things wrong, and it's exacerbating the problems, um, the, the um, glamorization of the violence. It's insane. You go to the movies and people are you know driving cars through windows and blowing people up while the radical left screams about gun control. Uh, it's really schizophrenic. Wouldn't you agree with me? I,
0: I, I would indeed. Uh, Talking with Michael Cutler, retired senior special agent for the INS. Um, now, the issue of border security, you are not a Johnny-come-lately on this issue. You've devoted no. uh, most of your no. professional career and uh, a good portion of your, uh, your life after you're leaving public service yeah. to this issue. Um, this is not a new issue in terms of your interest in it. I want you to explain... To folks who might think this is an issue that's exploited by politicians or interest groups, either on the right or the left, why the issue of border security and illegal immigration is such an important one, whether it's from a national security perspective, an economic one, a cultural one, a crime one, or even an infectious disease. Why is border security and, um, and immigration so
1: important to deal with? Sure. Sure. And by the way, I want to start out by making the observation that we are a nation of 50 border states, not four border states. You know, I I do many speaking events. I work with the Speakers Bureau in Washington that does seminars for the military and the intelligence services. And I love it when you say to someone, how many border states do we have? They, They rattle off Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, California. No, we have 50 border states. Any state that lies on the northern or southern border is a border state. Any state that has access to America's 95,000 miles of coastline is a border state. Any state that has an international airport is a border state. New York, can point the fact, that hits the trifecta. New York State connects to Canada. We have seaports. We have international airports. And, you know, you were talking about the term illegal immigrant. I use the term illegal alien. And it was Jimmy Carter who started this. And by the way, full disclosure, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. The problem is the Democrats are no longer Democrats. The, the wheels have come off their wagon. This is not the Democrat Party that I signed up with back when I was, when a, when I was a student at Brooklyn College when I first voted. Uh, they've really lost their minds. But both parties are exploiting immigration. But what I want everyone to understand is that the term alien is not a pejorative. It's not an insult. It's not the N-word. Legally, it's a legal term, and the Immigration Act defines an alien simply as any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. So where's the insult? It doesn't say you're ugly, you smell bad, or you're stupid. It just says you're not an American. It's like you're my friend, Frank, but since you're not related to me, you're not part of my family. That's not an insult. That's a statement of reality. But by changing the word alien to immigrant, if you dare suggest that we limit how many non-citizens, how many aliens can enter the United States, you get labeled anti-immigrant. And so suddenly you're viewed as a xenophobe and a hater. You can go to the um, so-called conservative television programs, and people that want amnesty, which is really anarchy, are lauded as being pro-immigrant, and people such as myself that believe in enforcing the laws that are on the books are anti-immigrant. It's not anti-immigrant. We admit more than a million lawful immigrants every year. We give them green cards they are immediately placed on the path to citizenship. That's more than the rest of the world combined. We admit tens of millions of temporary visitors as tourists, as foreign students, as journalists, as temporary workers. Tens of millions per year. I'm not suggesting shutting down the border, but this is the rhetoric being spewed by the globalists. You can find them on both sides of the aisle. Think about the border wall. And everyone said, oh, my God, it's a wall of hate. It's about keeping out Mexicans. Guess what, folks? The border wall is not designed to stop a single human being from entering the United States. Period. Full stop. You did not mishear me. I will repeat it. The border wall is not designed to stop anyone from entering the country because it doesn't block off the ports of entry. The border wall was intended to prevent people from sneaking in and evading the inspections process. It's like the velvet rope at the bank that guides the customers to the next teller. It's like the cattle run at the airport that guides the passengers to the next TSA agent. Or think of it as the gate at the football stadium. You don't just run across the field to get to your seat. You go through a gate, you buy a ticket, maybe they go through a metal detector, and then you are guided to your seat so you can enjoy the game without disrupting everything. How in the world is it a wall of hate when all we're trying to do is make certain people go through the process? Now, the process is important. So let me give everyone out there a section of law that I really want you to check out after the program. Jot it down, write it on the wall, write it on the back of your hand. Title Eight, the United States Code Section 1182. It's a list of categories of aliens who are to be kept out of the United States. Now, it has nothing to do with race, nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with ethnicity. If it did, I couldn't have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone 30 years. Category number one, aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Think COVID. Realize also that Ellis Island was a quarantine station. Mm -hmm. At the time of its completion, it was the biggest hospital complex in America. 42 buildings, okay? Aliens who are severely mentally ill and violent to be excluded. Aliens who are criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, drug traffickers, human traffickers, people who um, make a living by exploiting um, sex workers, aliens who have been previously deported or lied on their applications for various benefits, aliens who would become a public charge, or aliens who, if they worked, would displace American workers and hurt the wages of working Americans. Is there any category that I've listed? And I think I mentioned terrorists also. If I didn't, terrorists yeah, are certainly on the list, also Nazi war criminals. Tell me something. Do you want any of those individuals I just described to enter the United States?
0: I personally don't. But I, I'm wondering, Michael, I, I think maybe some folks don't realize why this is such an important issue to you and to the country. Why should uh, immigration and controlling who comes through the border? And if people just seen, were talking with uh, retired INS agent Michael Cutler, why should that be of paramount concern to most Americans? What's the
1: big deal? Uh, well, let let's start out. With the 9 11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel, you know, I provided testimony to the 9 11 Commission. Uh, I've investigated and arrested terrorists. People don't realize that. What immigration agents do, what the Border Patrol does, is actually a follow on to the mission of the United States military. Uh, a couple of months ago, I was in Washington. Uh, I had the privilege of addressing a bunch of Air Force generals and colonels and Two years ago, one of the people in my audience had just come back from the space station. He was one of our astronauts and a member of the United States Air Force. And I made the and I've never gotten any pushback from anybody in the military. The common mission of our armed forces is to keep the enemies of the United States as far from our shores as possible. Up close and in person, guess who gets the assignment? It's the Border Patrol and the men and women of ICE. Okay? Let me just read one one short paragraph. This is the preface from the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. This was a second report published by the U.S. government printing office. It's an official report, and it was authored by the federal agents and attorneys who were assigned to the 9-11 Commission. It's a quick sentence, and, and it really underscores the issue. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they are unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. I mean, you really got to wonder who was running the agency. Mm. Not to see that immediately, but let's move on. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe, for reasons that we discuss in the following pages, that it must be made one. Now, if you remember, when I was on the roundtable, uh, Katz's, um, what was it, Cats at Night, right. I believe the name of the program, Congressman Peter King was there. Peter King was the chairman of a hearing that we talked about, and so let me just quickly read this, because I, I want everyone to understand what we're really dealing with. On April 17, 2018, The House Counterterrorism and Intelligence Subcommittee, which at the time was chaired by Peter King, conducted a hearing on the topic, The State Sponsors of Terrorism and Examination of Iran's Global Terrorism Network. One of the witnesses there, and one of the interesting things was, I I always like to watch hearings, having testified at many of them, I think I see it from a, a different prism. Very often, one witness will disagree with another because both parties put up witnesses So you can have a back and forth. At this hearing, there was no argument, no dissent with what this one witness had to say. His name is Dr. Emmanuel Otolenge. He is a member of the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. And I want everyone to listen carefully. There's two short paragraphs. The first one is upsetting, and the second one keeps me awake almost every night. That's why I'm up at this hour. This is his words, not mine. By the way, he's gonna talk about Hezbollah. We always associate Hezbollah with the Middle East. There is a humongous presence of Hezbollah throughout Latin America right now, and you should know that there are terror training camps in the tri border region of Brazil. That's where the Mexican border comes in. But let me read what he said. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates, often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Cooperation includes the laundering of drug money, arranging multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, and directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. Proceeds from these activities finance Hezbollah's arms procurement, its terror activities overseas, its hold on Lebanon's political system, and its efforts both in Lebanon and overseas to keep Shia's communities loyal to its causes and complicit in its endeavors. That's upsetting. Now here's the one that keeps me staring at at the, at the ceiling in my bedroom at night. This toxic crime terror nexus, that is Hezbollah and the smugglers of people and drugs. This toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America that is helping to drive drugs and people northwards into the United States. It is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs, It is helping Iran and Hezbollah consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America, thus facilitating their efforts to build safe havens for terrorists and a continent-wide terror infrastructure that they could use to strike U.S. targets. And I don't know if you remember this, but around the time that Obama was running for re-election, uh, the FBI and ICE agents working cooperatively, and again, I've arrested and investigated a terrorist. My first fraud case caused me to trip over a terror plot in Israel. We prevented the bombing of an oil refinery. This was back in 1976. This is not new. But the, the, the issue that we have <clears throat> is that by not securing the border, by allowing people in, we had a situation when Obama was running for reelection where Hezbollah, operating in Mexico, came across the border. Their goal was to kill the Saudi ambassador, blow up the Saudi embassy in Washington, and perhaps the Israeli embassy. It was stopped. But understand that that border is a major issue, but it's not just that border. And you can't control the border at the border, and that's the one issue that everybody ignores. You know, in addition to doing the hearings that that I did, uh, Frank, I had a lot of closed-door sessions of members of Congress that were actually far more productive. Hearings are very structured. You can only speak for five minutes. It's a showcase. Very often, it takes on the appearance of a kangaroo court. When you have a closed-door session where you have maybe 10 members of Congress with their staffers in a closed room and there's no clock, it becomes far more productive. And I had several meetings like that. I went down to Washington to sit with them. So here was the question that I asked, and the reaction was interesting. Let's, let's try this question out. How many times does an aspiring illegal alien have to attempt to enter the United States before they're successful?
0: Uh, you got me. Three? Four?
1: Well, see, everyone was looking for a number, and I told the members of Congress, no, it's a formula. It is one more than the number of times they get stopped. Mm-hmm. Now, why is that important? Any alien who wants to enter the United States will ultimately succeed. That doesn't mean don't try to secure the border. You have to, okay? You want to cut the numbers down to reasonable dimensions. Understand that those who are truly committed and determined will make it. And, you know, when you get in your car, we don't do this so much anymore because we have a GPS. But think about it. You get in the car, and why do you normally turn on the radio on your way to work or on your way home? Two things you want to know about. What's the weather and what's the traffic? Why do you want to know about the traffic? Well, what's the fastest, easiest way I can get to my destination? So aspiring illegal aliens pay attention. How do I get to America? What's the easiest way? And if they put pressure on one place on the border, then they're gonna move the action to another place along the border or maybe they'll get on a boat and come ashore where no one sees them. Maybe they'll go to Canada. Maybe they'll come in through an airport with a false passport. So the point is if they're determined, they're going to do it. The key to immigration law enforcement is interior enforcement. And in fact, I worked with Senator Al D'Amato way back when, and I know that Senator Al is frequently a guest on the program. And we changed the reentry law, and I did it not as an agent, but as a civilian with expertise. And I got over 30 of my buddies to work with the senator's people. And unbeknownst to me, the head of investigations in New York for INS, Walter Connery, who passed away a couple years ago, and I miss Walter terribly, he was a mentor, was a retired cop. He was the deputy inspector in charge of internal affairs. He had a law degree. Unbeknownst to me and unbeknownst to him, we were working to accomplish the same goal, and we got it. Reentry after deportation by illegal aliens used to be a two-year felony, no matter whether or not the alien in question had a criminal history. And nobody wanted to really prosecute the cases. The U.S. attorneys just say, we're too busy. It's only a two-year thing. Why bother? So I I came to the conclusion, as did Walter, that this should really be a 20-year maximum crime for criminals, rapists, murderers, arsonists, drug dealers, gun runners. Um, If you get deported, you come back. Let's make sure that we create a strong disincentive that you don't want to come back because you're going to go to jail for 20 years. And so we got the law passed. And under Donald Trump, this was the most frequently prosecuted felony for the entire Justice Department. And the beauty of it is you can put a case together in in a day or two. I mean, what's the argument? I'm not really here. You have the executed warrant of deportation. The guy's fingerprint is on it. You get a fingerprint analysis. You check the databases to make certain that he was never given permission to return. You get that certified, and you go to the grand jury, and and the rest is history. So the point of it is that interior enforcement is the key. And look what we're doing across the country between sanctuary cities and non-enforcement by the Biden administration. And by the way, the fact that we've never hired enough ICE agents. And if you look at George W. Bush, the way he created DHS violated the Homeland Security Act. The immigration enforcement program was never supposed to be divided in half between Customs and Border Protection and ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. That makes it almost impossible to get the job done. Furthermore, they were not supposed to fold other agencies in with immigration. ICE also includes Secret Service. ICE also includes Customs. ICE also includes uh, the federal police that protect federal buildings and the TSA. What do they have to do with immigration? Nothing. We only have 6,000 ICE agents, and most of the time, most of them aren't doing anything with immigration. So imagine a force of about 2,000 immigration agents for the entire United States. The New York City Police Department has about 36,000 cops just for the five boroughs. The whole country <laughs> covered by 2,000 ICE agents. Why? Because ICE agents not only arrest illegal aliens, They also go after crooked employers and crooked lawyers. I helped to put a couple of lawyers in jail. I went after crooked employers before I went over to the drug task force. So this is a political football. Give the illusion that we're going to enforce the law, but do nothing about it. Now, let's go further. I don't know of a single terror attack since 9-11 that was successfully completed that involved an airplane anywhere in the world. What is the conveyance of choice in terror attacks across the globe? Motor vehicles. And what are they doing in places like New York and Illinois and California, New Jersey, Philadelphia? We're giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. They call them undocumented. Well, if they're undocumented, that means we have no idea who they are. So if you go to the center of cities, you go to Washington, you see all these barriers and all these flower pots and all these uh, grates that pop out of the pavement to shred tires. Why? To guard against car bombs and truck bombs. M-
0: Michael, so have no on, on that note, I to hate to base. interrupt, but we're going to have to end it there. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that we didn't get to. Hopefully, we'll uh, have a conversation again soon. We'll talk a little bit about what's happening with Title 42 and some other areas. If people want to learn more, it'll
1: be catastrophic, and it's being designed that way because they're. Pr- Profiting through the NGOs, I have an article up at U.S. Incorporated, U.S. Yep. Inc. I also to write, by the way, for Front Page Magazine and, uh, and my own website. Is Michael, Michael, thank Cutler you. Thank
0: you. Yeah, I was just going to thank mention that. people, me, Frank. people, Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. People can check out Michael at MichaelCutler.net. You can see his column on there, and uh, we'll have Michael back soon and uh, cover some of these other issues that we didn't have an opportunity to get into today. That's uh, MichaelCutler.net.